Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for this morning will be from Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, or magi, from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, we've come to worship him. You may be seated. This morning, on this first weekend in the new year, this blessings that we've been given of a, another year to, to serve and, and worship our Heavenly Father, Matthew is challenging those of us that have been invited into this place to hear from God's Word. He's challenging us with the very truth of Jesus. And there's a number of different responses uh, that we have uh, see in Scripture here, especially Matthew chapter 2. Some of them are positive, some of them are negative, and some are the reaction of, yeah, what's the big deal? And so we're going to look at that, and the reason why we're, we're looking at this is, one, we get to celebrate Epiphany, God's light coming into the world, the revelation to us, especially as, as Gentiles, but also we're diving into this section now where we're trying to act more like Christ and be involved in some regular spiritual disciplines. Today in our Believe study, this second section, chapter 11, we're looking at the concept of worship and what that really means. And so I'm looking forward to sharing these words with you. But uh, let's get back to this response that Matthew is challenging us with. And first of all, this positive response. Who, who are the magi? Who are the wise men? I use the phrase magi a little bit from my own understanding because if these men were, were truly wise, they, they would not have needed God to intervene to warn them not to go back to Herod but go back another route when they actually got to where Jesus was. So, so magi, it's, it's a Persian word. It's one of a title given to professors or, or maybe philosophers of their day. And, and these were men that dedicated their lives to studying various arts like medicine and, and history, um, maybe even astronomy and maybe astrology. But what they would do also was, was search the skies for the answers to some of life's questions. Some of the questions that you may have asked in your own life. Like, who am I? And where am I from? And where are we going? And, and what's my purpose in life? And so we have these men, these scholars, if you would, these professors, these wise men, these magi, that... Here, they've been exposed to the Old Testament prophecy of, of a Messiah that is to be born, and they see this sign that God had revealed to them, and, and they, they make this trek some 1,000 miles from their homeland into Israel. But why would they do that? Because they were compelled. They were drawn by God into this relationship. Come and behold this, this babe that's been born for you also. And the beautiful thing here is that these men are, are pagans. They have their own religion. They don't follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They don't subscribe to the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet God draws them, God invites them to come behold the one that is to come. The one that was going to redeem the world. 
And so they, they draw in and they, they go this thousand mile journey across hot desert sands, facing whatever challenges that are out there, risking their lives, walking away from their livelihoods just to behold this thing that they heard about. They don't know a whole lot about it, but what they do know, they're compelled to go find out more. And so they go to Jerusalem, because that's the capital city of Israel, hoping beyond hope that they'll find out where this little one is going to be born. And they're absolutely floored. As they go through the city and, and they're, they're asking these questions, where is he who's born king of the Jews? Many of those in Israel, many of those in Jerusalem, eh, they could care less. They have no idea what the Magi are talking about. But there's one reaction that uh, kind of is worth taking a look at. A gentleman named King Herod. He heard about this question that was being asked, where is he who's born king of the Jews? Now, wait a minute. King Herod is king, at least in his mind. You see, he was placed in that position by the Romans. It was given to him fair and square. He, he has that responsibility that he can lead these people. It's his kingdom. What do you mean there's another one born king of the Jews? And so scripture says it this way, Matthew 2. He says, when Herod heard this news, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. Well, why would Jerusalem be disturbed? The Messiah was coming. Well, let me tell you why. Because anytime anyone went after King Herod's throne, he became a violent man. And this word disturbed actually means to shake violently. He's so angry, so furious that someone would come and try and usurp his authority. And to make matters worse, he's sick. He's ill. He's very near death. And he's losing control. You know how you act when you lose when you, when, when you try and hold on to control and, and you realize you really don't have it, it's kind of an illusion, and it's slipping from your grasp, well, that's what Herod is doing. He's violently shaking. He is disturbed, and he wants to put away this threat. He's taken out his own family in the past, and this little boy is not going to stand in his way of his throne. It's a very negative, hostile reaction to Jesus. But he's got to play a little bit of game here. He's got to play nice. You see, because he has no idea where Jesus is going to be born. He doesn't even need to know, he doesn't even know the boy's name. And so he calls together his scribes, his priests, and he says, hmm, where is he, the child that's supposed to be born? Where is that going to take place? And the scribes, they, they just tell him. They tell him, they don't even need to look it up. They, they have it memorized. They, they made a lifetime of memorizing the Old Testament prophecy. And, and here is what they say from Micah chapter 5. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come the ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. And so they tell King Herod, it's Bethlehem. And Herod comes back to these foreigners that are in his land. And he says, I tell you what. Go, search diligently for this king. And, and, and when you find him, come back and, and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. You know what I mean? We see that hostile reaction every once in a while in uh, even today's day and age. People wanting to put away Christ, put 
Christ out of the public arena. Here in Frankenmuth, you experience that a number of times, and, and God's people who value God's values made a stand, and, and wow, something positive happened. But there are people hostile to Jesus, and there always will be until he comes back. But here, here's the thing that, that floors me the most about the, the reactions in this text. It's, it's the ones that have the most knowledge about Jesus, excuse me, the Messiah, the, one, the teachers of the law, the ones that could quote prophecy backwards and forward. They made their whole life memorizing scripture. They, they, that was what they wanted to do. They wanted to be rabbi. They wanted to be these teachers of the law. So they memorized all these scripture. And yet, when they heard an inkling of it, when it could be true, all this head knowledge never made it down to their heart. And they could care less about this boy that was supposed to be born. Not a single one of them even was curious enough to go along with the Magi and see, is this really happening? Is this the real deal? Nah, they stayed. Ah, Messiah Shmaya. They couldn't be bothered. It's no wonder God issues such a complaint that he does towards his people. That was the Isaiah text saying, what is your sacrifices to me? He's talking about how head knowledge is nothing, but where's your heart? Don't just go through the motions, God's saying. Where's your heart? And so here we have these scholars, these biblically literate men that know scripture backwards and forwards and yet they're spiritually lazy they're lukewarm and they're indifferent to God's Messiah and here's the real kicker they're only six miles from where the Messiah would be born Bethlehem and Jerusalem are only about six miles apart I could walk that in about two hours and back then they could have done the same thing because the roads were quite decent Six miles from Jerusalem, the Messiah was born. So these men who were indifferent to the Messiah were were six miles from Jesus, six miles from forgiveness, six miles from salvation, six miles from beholding the one that would give them eternal life and salvation. They were indifferent. They could care less. Why am I spending a lot of time reacting to three different reactions? Because I'm hoping that you come face to face with the truth of Jesus Christ also. Matthew's presented it in his gospel. By by Matthew chapter 2, he's saying this is the king of the Jews, the Lord of lords, the king of kings. And if that's the case, which it is, then how does your life reflect King Jesus? The Lord of your life. How are How do you respond to the truth of Jesus? Are you with Herod and the scribes? Are you like Herod and you're hostile to him? That truth is, many of us are in our own right. Because the life we live outside of these walls is far different than the life that God would have for us. We try and take him off of the throne and and we want to be the one who's in control. We want to be able to dictate how things go. Or are you like the, the scribes that are indifferent? And, and I look around and I see a lot of empty pews, a lot of elbow room. And, and here's the thing. We don't have to worship our Lord, but we get to. 
Hebrews chapter 10 says, don't neglect to come together as is the habit of some. Encourage one another with the word. So God wants us to come into a place like this. He's inviting us to come in and and to hear familiar stories, to have our hearts touched, our lives changed, and to, to send us out to live in hope and freedom. And when, when we choose to not come to worship, what we're really saying is, Lord, no thanks. I, I, I really don't need you today. I, I really don't need what you have to offer today. And that's an interesting response to the one who came to make sure we had a relationship with him. There's something more important that I have to do, Lord. I, I really don't need to spend time with you today. Matthew wants us to be reminded of the fact that God is King of kings and Lord of lords. He alone is worthy of all honor and praise and glory. And he alone is the one who invites us to come and spend some time with him. You see, we can't come to God on our own. We, we know that from Scripture. But do we know it in our heart? Do we know that? At one point in time, as, as the Apostle Paul writes, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It, it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And, and the word of God teaches that we are all conceived and born sinful. We're under the power of the devil until Christ comes to claim us. And, and we would be lost forever unless we were delivered from sin, death, and everlasting condemnation. So here, here's the, the good news is, is God, our, our creator, he, he came more than a thousand miles to make sure we'd have a life with him. He, he left, through the person of his son, he, he left all the glory of heaven. He gave it all up to make sure that we would never be separated from him. He's the one that gives us purpose and meaning. We don't need to search the sky. He gives us purpose and meaning. And apart from him, there is nothing. Apart from him, our existence is meaningless. And yet we, we sin against him. We're his enemies. And yet he still chose to love us and send Jesus for us. He did that so that we could have life and have it to the full. And, and, and being in the presence of God's word and hearing it proclaimed and, and being able to receive these amazing gifts that he's given us. You see, worship with God is not a one-way exchange. God didn't ask us to worship him so that he could feel better about himself. No, God is inviting us to worship out of a response to his love. And as we respond in love, he pours out more love and more love and grace and mercy and compassion. And so here's what happens. He invites us like the magi to come and receive the, the shepherd king, the, the Emmanuel, the God who's with us. To, to bow down and worship, and you'll have an opportunity to, to kneel at the Lord's table and receive very personally and very intimately his body and blood, a gift of forgiveness to strengthen your faith and that promise of everlasting life, to give you hope, to leave this place changed and transformed, and, and isn't that something we're hoping for when we come to church? Don't we want to at least be able to get something out of the message, get something out of worship? I mean, that's all a gift that God's given. And he's saying, come, know, 
real hope. No real forgiveness. No, that my arms are wrapped around you. And you don't need to fight and try and grasp for control. I have you. I'm undergirding you. I'm your foundation. And we can go out and live transformed lives. And I shared this story at the 8 o'clock service. When we live transformed lives, when we live as those that have hope, we communicate to the world around us the gospel message of Jesus. And and when we get to, to do that, people's lives are changed. There was one couple down at Utica that the man was a Marine. He had all of his life affairs in order and he really didn't see a need to come to church. It wasn't his thing. Kind of a man's man. And yet his wife would be in a second or third pew every Sunday. And then she got sick. And then she was placed in hospice. And then she died. And the very next time we had the opportunity to offer a new member class, that Marine was in that new member class. Why? Because he saw the way his wife lived her life and the hope that she had. She saw the way she lived her life and the hope that she had all the way up until the point that she drew her last breath. And she wanted and he wanted what what she had. And so he came to, to learn more, and he hasn't missed a Sunday since. And so the, the cool thing is, is when his wife gets to paradise, she's going to look around, she's going to see her husband's there, and she's, when did you get here? You know. An eternity together. A witness to the hope and the light that came into the world that changed a heart for good. God's changed your heart. He's inviting you to live in the gift of forgiveness. And so may the dear Lord Jesus Christ, may he continue to bless you. May he truly bless you as you worship the one that made a path for Gentiles to come to him as well. That made a path for us to come and behold the king. The one that brought light into the world so that his people would take the knowledge of him from here to hear through the power of the Holy Spirit and bring it out there to a world that's still living in darkness. That's one of the gifts that we have as we come and worship the King. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all our understanding guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.